Hello, everyone. This is Bill Apter, and I just finished taping an episode of Count It Out with Mike and Tyler, or Tyler and Mike. They're brilliant hosts. You've got to listen. You've got to see. Count it out. Yeah, I endorse it. They've got the after chat seal of approval. Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Penzer, former WCW and Impact ring announcer, and you are listening to Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. I'm the greatest. Joining us today is former WCW and WWE superstar. He is the three-time World Karate Champion. And just last weekend, he had Joey Janela begging somebody to call his mama. Please welcome to the show, Ernest the Cat Miller. Mr. Miller, thank you so much for coming on and doing this today, man. Hey, man, listen, thanks for having me. It's a good thing that I can get up this morning and do something like this first thing in the morning. Yeah, you know, I was so excited uh, when I when I heard back from you and you said you were going to do this. I've always been such a big fan of yours. I think you're one of the most charismatic guys that's ever stepped foot in the ring. Real excited to to talk about some of your career. And I'd love to start just right, uh, you know, pretty recent here. Um, you were just in GCW last week. You were working with Joey Janela. How did, uh, how did you and GCW get linked up? And what was your experience like working with them? Well, you know, it was kind of funny. I haven't been in a ring. No lie. I haven't been in a ring in years. And I haven't even thought about it. But occasionally, uh, I will go down to this night, the Nightmare Factory, which is the wrestling school that that QT Marshall and, uh, you know, a lot of the guys from AEW, you know, work out there. So, you know, but me and QT been friends before he ever even got into uh uh, AEW. So, you know, it's like, I'm just going to get my wrestling time in to hang out, talk, talk crap. You know, I'm a martial art teacher, so it's not too much I could say in being disrespectful in a karate class, but in wrestling school, I could say whatever on my mind. So I got my wrestling fix out the way. So, you know, I start hanging out and, and they think, you know, I got an email a couple of about maybe a year or so ago and from Joey. And Joey said, are you taking bookings? And I said, I, I, I do autograph signing, you know, but I'm not taking any bookings. So um, knowing that, he said, I would love to wrestle you. you it's a dream match. And then, you know, I was like, maybe one day I'll let you know. You know, I'll let you know if I do. So out of the blue, I was just feeling good one morning. And this was like a couple of weeks ago. I was feeling good. And the guy called and said, hey, Cat. Saniano called and said, hey, Cat, we doing a show in Chicago. So, yeah. So, would you come? Would you come? And they want you to come. And me and you get back together, me, you, and Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff was there. And it was something that I forgot the organization, but it's fight TV guys putting it on. So, he said, just come and do a little, and they want you to do something in the rain. And I'm like, you know what? I might as well come. Yeah, I'll do it. So, they posted it that I was going to be in Chicago. And then they think, you know, I got another call. As soon as they posted it on um, social media, I got another call from uh, a, a, a text message saying, hey, since you're going to be in Chicago, can you do this GCW and wrestle Joy? 
And I said, you know what? I might as well go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have fun. Since I'm going to be there, I, I didn't know be there two days. Let me go ahead. I'm going to do two days of wrestling. And it was great. Man. I had such a great time. GCW got a good crowd, you know, and uh, Joy was a blast. He, I mean, he was a, he was so much fun to work with. This guy will do to make me look good and to make the match look good. He was willing to break his neck. You know, uh, when the match was announced, too, there was a lot of buzz and excitement to see you get back in the ring. And GCW, they've been known to have a pretty hardcore, loyal, passionate fan base. How did it feel for you going out there and getting such an awesome response from everybody after being, uh, you know, out of the ring for so long? You know what? It, it, it was kind of funny. I didn't know what to expect. But when right before we went through the curtain, they introduced him first, and he got a huge pop. That's how I thought they said this guy was a um, heel. They said, well, you know, he got a huge pop. So I said, I guess he's a baby face. So I didn't know didn't know what to expect. But still, I went through the curtain. I got a pop, too. You know, once the match started, we all had fun. You know, it's like they were into everything I did. Any move I made, they was into it. And, and they seemed to have fun, you know. I kind of turned heel a little bit right in the middle, and they loved that part. So it was an easy, controlled crowd. And when I said control, they were wrestling fans. So they just wanted to be entertained. Absolutely, absolutely. So what's your overall impression of the match? And were you happy with how everything went? Did you have a good time working <laughs> with Joey? Listen, when you over my years, you know, being my age, 58, when you hit the – when you can get in the ring – and get out the ring healthy, that's a good match. Absolutely. Who, who give a damn what the fans want to see? <laughs> I walk home and go back to my room, I'm happy. So it was a pretty good match. You know, I had a couple of doors, you know, a couple of things he wanted to do that I, 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 I agreed to it, but I wasn't in total agreement because I, you know, I said I haven't been in the ring. He wanted to do this finish. Well, he have a door on top of me. He jumped down off the top rope and land with both feet in your chest. And I was like, "Listen, if you hurt me, you're gonna have, you're gonna be hell to pay when you get back." <laughs> so he promised me it won't hurt. It won't hurt. I'm sorry. I just want you to. I just want you to do well. And the first thing was when we first went in, he 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 thought it was gonna be a problem because I was gonna, you know, he was gonna put me over. And then I said, no, listen, I've had my career. So let me help you. You know, maybe this, if it help you at all, you could go ahead. I, you know, I'll put you over. You get the win. I said, this is your house. I'm just here just, you know, I'm just here just remembering my good time. I'm not trying to get back to WWE or AEW. I'm not doing it. it just, I'm just enjoying a moment, you know, so it went pretty good with him. Good, nice guy. Nice kid. Yeah. So is there a possibility we might see you back in the ring at some point down the line if the match is right? You you know, the the, set, the setting's right? Hey, man, if the match is right and I'm in a good mood and they call me, because, you know, I sit here, I get all kind of messages. Social media has just, just been so good, man. It's so different that people can contact you directly. You know, people you never met like you. You know, can contact us, hey, cat, can you do this? Can you do that? And if I decide to do it, then, you know, I, I'll do it. But it's easy. It's easier now. So there's no telling what I may do. It depends on the offer. 
Oh, I love that, man. We'd love to keep seeing you go. You're always uh, fantastic. You look great in the ring too. Uh, from from what I saw of it, it, it looks fantastic. Um, let's go back in time a little bit here. You know, uh, let, let's talk about some of the some of the days uh, in the WCW days here. Uh, before we get there, though, you are a three time World Karate Champion. Now, Bruce Pritchard also claims to be a black belt and in many Karate Hall of Fames. What was your relationship like with Bruce? And and is his martial arts background as credible as he's letting it on to be? You know, when you when you accomplishing so much in life, especially in martial arts, when you doing everything you can do for yourself, it's hard to really pay attention to what somebody else is doing. So he never faced me in the ring. So I don't know how good he is, and I don't know his discipline and how long he's been taking it. So, you know, if he say he's a three-time world karate champion, these are two worlds that never met, him and I, you know. So yeah. you know, he may be, maybe not. Did but when, have- I, when I see him, I find out. I'll punch him in his damn mouth, and now <laughs> he can do. Did you have a good relationship with Bruce or not really? I mean, with Bruce was okay, man. You know, uh, I was only in WWE for, I, I forgot how long, a couple of years, you know, and. And it was all a learning experience. So I don't really know. I don't really remember meeting him or having a significant conversation with him, conversation, a memorable conversation with him. Well, somebody that you did have a great relationship with from the sounds of it was Eric Bischoff. And he was pretty instrumental in helping you uh, kind of break into the business from what I've read. How did you and Eric kind of meet? and, And what was the conversation like to get you into this crazy world of professional wrestling? You know, I mean, Eric, I forgot what year it was in. It might have been like in 1992, 93. And I was teaching karate. I was heavy into martial arts. I was teaching karate and just happened to be teaching his son, Garrett Bischoff, one of my students. But I didn't know who Eric was because I wasn't watching wrestling as much then. But um, I was teaching his son karate. And then one day, you know, his just like all, just like everybody think they know a lot of, everybody think they know some martial arts. Or somebody probably took a class or so. So I hear stuff all the time from parents and uncles and stuff like that about how you should do something. So, you know, when I teach a kid something, they take it home. Sometimes they come back and they say, well, my uncle, who is a black belt, just like Bruce Pritchard, who is a black belt three times over, say, I should do it this way or I should do it that way. So, you know, I'm always hearing that. But this particular guy, kid, Gary Bischoff, will come back with a something he may have. I'd send him home with one thing, but he will come back with something look like it had been changed just a little bit. A kick that I may say, don't go to the head, go to the body. But he may bring it back and say, but you can also use it this way. And I say, said to him, said, I guess you can, but. Who told you that? My dad. My dad used to take karate. And I was like, oh, no. he go another karate father who sit home and want to change everything I do. He wanted, when he get home, he wanted to change it around. It's another one of those. So one day Garrett came in and Garrett said, hey, uh, my dad, um, my dad wanted to come and spar with you guys one day. And I said, tell him to come on Saturday thinking the whole time this guy's not going to ever show up because on a Saturday we have all black belt fighting. 
So I was thinking this guy father is not going to show up. They just somebody trying to be the big shot in the family. I understand. I understood. So when um, Saturday morning came, I had about eight black belts there. And we aligned each black belt up on one side of the room. And we would put all the students and everybody else in front of one of them. And when you fight that, you rotate yourself all the way down to the next one. Then the last one, go back around and start over. And I always started on the end. I was on the end so I could kind of watch the class. By the time they got to me, I could watch the class and make sure they're doing exactly what I wanted them to do. So anyway, the doors open. We got ready to start class. And Nathan, you know, I, I, I hear my door, my front door swing open, bing, bing. And I looked up and there was a guy with dark hair and the whitest teeth I've ever seen. Like, who the hell is that? So he had, and under his arm, he had an old blue dirty gi, karate gi, with a black belt wrapped up around the black belt. And I'm like, who is that coming, you know? So he came in. He said, hey, Mr. Miller. I said, hey. He said, I'm Garrett's father. I said, oh, okay. I said, you going to join us today? He said, yes, if you don't care. I said, yeah. He went in there to get dressed. He got dressed, put on all his gear. And he started on the other end. And he started in the students' line, which means he would face him. He would go face and fight all the black belts. Now, I had some good black belts. I mean, young, too. You know, 28 years old, big and tall. So when we started, the bell rang, bing, bing. I'm sparring around with a little kid in front of me. I'm playing around with him. He tried to sweep my leg out, jump, flip over, just playing with the kids, boom. But then I hear some thunder on the other end. I looked down on, I kind of slowly looked on the other end, and this was Eric Bischoff at the time, whipping my karate student, you know what, whipping his, <laughs> I mean, he was all on this kid. I was like, oh, man, you know, so that was pretty good. So, okay, so the bell rung, Eric had to move to the next guy which is the second guy. Now, I was number eight guy on the end, the last one. So we saw sparring. I saw doing my usual thing, trying to teach my kids how to keep their hands up, how to think like a fighter, how to move, how to not be afraid of in the movement, recognize the movement, recognize the action, respond to it, you know, send a reply to it. Whatever it is, hit back. When they hit you, you hit hard. So I'm working with my kids on this. Then I hear thunder again. I look down, Eric, Eric Bischoff, the same guy. I mean, he's sweeping. He's doing everything to, to this black belt. I mean, he really putting some, he was really beating this guy, you know what? Again, that said, he might be okay. So, okay, the bell rung. Everybody slid down to their right. Eric slid to his right. With me now, he's at number three. He got five more to go to get, get down on my end. So I'm paying the clothes he get the little the more the more attention I'm paying to him because the way it's set up, we start with the not so good black belt at the end that as you get down the line, you start getting closer to me. And and these are the best of the best. Mm. So Eric got to side me and he had beat everybody up. He was at right number seven. He had beat that guy up. So I said, okay, switch. So when they switched, Eric came out, he faced me, he looked at me. I'm, and, and his son was 
had just finished, so he's standing behind. Now, I'm looking at my karate class I'm teaching, and I'm telling them, listen, I've seen see some of you guys, your hands are down too low. Make sure you look in the mirror sometime right here next to the mirror on the wall. Make sure you keep your hands up so they'll guard you and protect you. Everybody say, yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Miller. Then the bell run. So I faced Eric. And soon we did it. Eric jumped up in the air with a jump, like a jump sidekick. Like one the Bruce Lee side. He got up high, too. And soon he got up high enough, and I'm looking at him. I couldn't do anything. I hook kicked him. It's called a hook kick. I hook kicked him out there. I hit him with a hook kick right across his face. And he got and he said, Oh, that's good. That's good. So he saw bouncing around and he saw moving at me. And he tried to charge in on me again. And I hit him with what they call a side kick to his body. I hit him with a side kick to his body. Then I stepped down with a right hand and he kind of stumbled back. And then Nathan, you know, I hear a voice saying, Come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. So I was into the fight, but I heard that voice and I recognized the voice being Gary and he was cheering for somebody else other than me. Cause usually he cheered for me against anybody, but now he was cheering for his father. So in my head, I had to break that cycle. I would start thinking like, this is not a real fight. You know, I, I could be humble. This is this guy, dad. I don't want to make it look bad. So what I started doing is I kind of laid off a little bit and throwing kicks over his head and around him. And when he'll throw something, I flip out the way because I could do all these acrobatic flips. So I, I would practice it on those. So he'll kick up my leg, I flip backwards. He'll throw a punch, I'll do a cockwheel in front of him. And I was like 6'3, 225 pounds. Big. So Eric said, when it was over, the bell rang, you know, and I, everybody bowed. They went to the dressing room. I said goodbye to a lot. Eric was still back in the dressing room getting dressed. So when I went back there, he shook my hand. He said, hey, Mr. Miller, you're pretty, you really, really good, man. Talented. I said, thank you. Now I said, you're pretty good yourself. He said, oh, are you bullshitting me? Say you could have knocked my face off anytime you wanted to. I want to thank you for not doing it, though. He said, this face that he pointed at, he said, this is my money maker. <laughs> I, I still didn't know what Eric Bischoff did. You know, I didn't. I wasn't into wrestling, so and I never talked to his kid about nothing but karate. And he said, I make money with this face right here. He said, man, but you could have did. He said, you're so athletic. You got charisma. He said, man, you'll be a good wrestler. Then I said, a wrestler? I said, what the heck? You mean a wrestler? He said, I'm going to take you to lunch next week and, and tell you all about it. So I told him, yes. And, you know, of course, um, the week came, we went to eat sushi, had lunch, and he made me an offer. He said, listen, I can get you into this profession right here. It's called professional professional wrestling. And I'm Eric Bischoff. I'm the president of the company. And, you know, I run this. And, you know, it sounds good, you know, when it started talking about because we wasn't making any money at teaching karate. You did karate teaching only because you like giving away your talent. And so I was there teaching. So anyway, he made he offered me, and that's how he got me in. He talked me into it over over a plate of sushi, a boat of sushi. Cause the sushi came in this kind of big old wooden boat, and it was my very first time eating sushi. And I remember looking down there. I said, "Everything is good, but this damn dead fish you got in front of me." <laughs> so you know, anyway, he talked me into it, and I went into wrestling at WCW. 
That's it. And then you're off to the races. You did your training at the power plant, correct? Oh, man, with Sarge and, and yeah, with uh, Sarge and Piz Watley. And yes, yes. So how was the transition for you then? What were you thinking on your, you know, your first uh, little bit of time in the power plant? Man, let me tell you something. The power plant was, I'm used to training hard. And the power plant was training really, really hard. But nobody watched over you. And I was getting paid a ton of money to do it. So here I am. I could sit home and get paid the same amount of money. Or I can go and do what I was supposed to do. So I, I did something that a lot of wrestlers, I didn't know at the time. Usually when wrestlers get into the power plant and they getting paid, they're already on the contract. Most of them didn't show up every day and go so hard in class because they already they was already on the contract. People like the Giant, Big Show. Big Show was just coming in. Big Show spent a little time at the um, power plant, but Big Show was on the road a lot. He was getting paid, so he had, was on the contract. So he didn't spend a lot of time down there. You know, and Goldberg came through. He did the same thing. But I spent a lot of time down there because I was used to kind of training and working that hard. But it, it 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 was very 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 hard, you know. It wasn't anything easy. I mean, bumps, squats. I mean, it was just it was really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? The, all the hard work paid off because you made your debut, Slamboree '97. You saved Glacier from an attack, and I got to tell you, you hit one of the best spinning kicks you're ever going to see in the history of professional wrestling. If you guys haven't seen it, it's all over social media, YouTube. Look it up. Um, what was that night like for you? What were what were you feeling? Did, were you happy with uh, kind of what they were bringing in and doing? Uh, you know what they they were gonna just bring me in just as Ernest Miller, just bring me in that bang bang to be a single single wrestler. You know, I don't think they were thinking of teaming me up with Glacier at first. But what happened since that gimmick they had was a Mortal Kombat knockoff. It was a karate gimmick. And Glacier was the only one in there who had a little karate background. So you had Mortis and Ralph, who were just the big evil guys. They were great they were great wrestlers, man. I mean, they would bounce all, all over the ring for you. But Glacier got hurt. Debut day, Glacier turned his ankle at the power plant the day before. So he couldn't really do anything. So they called me out of the blue. I wasn't even ready. I've never really been in the ring. They called me out the blue and said, hey, Ernest, we need we need somebody to throw a few kicks during this episode right here. Said Glacier is hurt, so he can't throw any kicks, but he can go in and sell the ankle. But we need somebody to throw some kicks. So can you come in and throw some kicks? I said, yes, of course. So I, I I think it was uh it wasn't Eric Bischoff. I forgot who asked, but I think it was Terry Taylor. So uh I said, yeah. So he said, this is what we want you to do. We want you sitting out in the stand like a spectator, boom, boom. Then when this when it's time you jump the rail, go in and you save Glacier by doing some doing kicks, just any kind of kicks. So, you know, I did it and it turned out pretty good. Yeah, absolutely it did. You know, and you're coming into the business during one of the biggest boom periods in the history of professional wrestling you got the nwo running wild what was the uh what was the backstage atmosphere like for you when you were walking in man are you crazy i was in like oh my goodness i was in over my head 
I was like, how in the world did I get here? I went from doing karate, teaching karate kids, so now here I am sitting in catering by myself. I look over, I see Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, uh, Dirty Dick Slater. God, they, they were signing everybody. Man, I saw the big, big superstars that I kind of grew up watching. And here I am in the locker room, in the catering, eating with these guys. And they all sitting at a table. Then I look over to my left. I saw this table, and they haven't came out yet. I saw the table with Hogan with a lot of people over there, and they all was in black. I knew Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, but Scott Hall, one of my favorite from back in the WWF day, you know, Razor Ramon. So, you know, so I'm sitting out eating, just peeking, like trying to ease my way in to see what they're talking about. And I just couldn't believe it, man. Here I'm I'm in the midst of all this talent in a business that I know nothing about. I'm getting paid a lot of money to learn about. And they think, you know, I look up, hey, can I sit here? I look up, and it was Scott Hall. And he had got up from the table where they were sitting. And he said, hey, can I come sit with you? Sit here. He brought his tray. Said, I said, yes, sit down. And, man, we talked, and he just gave me a lot of advice. And he just said, I know it's your first time. He said, you're going to do well. And, man, he was one of the nicest guys you ever wanted to meet, man, and um. He kind of broke the ice for me, you know, because he, he seen me sitting there all alone. He know I was new to the business. He got up from the table. All the superstars came and sat down with me, and we talked for about an hour. He just gave me a lot of advice, and he was like that the whole time I was there, man. I didn't know they were forming. I didn't know they were getting ready to form uh, NWO at that time. I just thought they were going over something, but they were getting ready to do the next but. Two weeks later, NWO came out. Yeah, and then the whole world changed after that, right? Man, that was so entertaining, man. It was entertaining for us in the back. We used to, cause they didn't tell her what was going on. We just sit in, we sit back in the back, watch the monitor, and watch NWO. Man, it was so much fun, man. These guys were like, they were truly bad guys, and it was fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, for you and your career, though, things really started to pick up when they paired you up with Sonny Ono. And I thought you guys were so good together. The chemistry was great. Uh, whose idea was it to pair you guys up? And and how do you uh, like the, your time working with Sonny? Well, you know, with Sonny, it, it was, we both were mutual agreement because Sonny is a real martial artist and, and tournament martial artist. I used to watch Sonny when I first got into karate. They had like the number one karate team on the National Karate Point Circuit. I mean, Sonny was like an all-around fighter, forms. He could do it all, man. So we, that had a connection when we got in. But see, I was already getting over it. By then, the cat was doing a lot of talking and dancing and doing all this stuff. But I wanted to add something that that uh, I was going to take somebody else. And I wanted to add the James Brown with the cape stuff on there. I wanted to add that to my routine, but I need someone who kind of can kind of have the charisma to walk a pair of red shoes across, put the cape on me, and then let me dance. So I needed to add something. Sonny, if you know Sonny, man, he is, he's 24-7, Sonny don't know. He's so funny and entertaining. Even now when he called me on the phone, I can stay on the phone talking to him for hours. He is just so funny. 
you know, uh, and the chemistry really showed like, I, you know, you talk on the phone for hours so you can see that you're friends. And for you, I think things really like started to pick up when they put a microphone in your hand, let you show off your personality a little bit. Was that something that just kind of happened organically or did you have to kind of push a little to be like, hey, give me a mic and, and let me show you what I can do? Man, I heard a damn story this weekend. I ain't going to tell you who it was. But I was at this event in Chicago and this guy asked me about this. He asked me about this uh, at one of the AEW shows. He said, did this really happen? I said, yeah, that's how it happened. That's how I got discovered in the back. And then they think, you know, I go to this event and this guy talking and he's telling them how he got discovered. Then I looked at Sonny, I said, wait a minute. I just, he just asked me my story and I told him my story. And now he doing a podcast telling everybody that that's how he got discovered too. Unless somebody said the same, that same person said the same thing to him. But the way I got discovered is, I got comfortable with the locker room. Well, all the guys, that's where all the fun stuff happened anyway in the fucking locker room. So I'm in a locker room having this man, Kevin Nash, and I used to come in and I talked a lot. You know, I used to talk about everybody. and Me and Booker T used to go at it, me and Nash, Hall, and they all come in talking about my karate fake and just get me going. They yeah. loved going. So Chavo, Guerrero, they just love to get me going, you know. So one day I just go in the locker room and I was telling everybody, y'all, everybody sit down. Everybody going to listen to me and listen to what I have to say. I'm running the whole show. And I'm doing this routine just for having fun, entertaining myself in the back of the locker room. So matter of fact, there's a lot of money in here. I think if I lock this front door right here, I can take over a bunch of banks in here because you guys ain't going to get out here. Each and every one write me a check. You know, and they just laugh. You know, I was just doing that kind of stuff. Then one day, Terry Taylor walked up to me and said, hey, man, I hear you fun as you know what, fun as hell in that locker room. I hear you saying some stuff that nobody can go against you in there. Even Hall and Nash couldn't shut you down. So you just really fun. They love you in the locker room. Here, here go a mic. Go out and do the same stuff out there in the, in the, in the ring. And I said, what? He said, go out there and do it. Do what you do in the locker room, do it in the ring. And you got to understand, I'm not a wrestler. I've never wanted to be a wrestler. It just happened to kind of drop into my lap. So being that, I knew nothing about how to control the crowd. I was shy. I didn't know how to do all that in front of them. I could do it in front of my friends. Now they want me to do it in the ring. So I really had to adapt really fast, you know, and uh, to get over it and be able to do it. But once I got relaxed and, and I understood a little bit more about wrestling and, and the fans, I was able to uh, continue to grow as a character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just kind of want to harp on something that you, you touched on a little bit there. You said that you were uh, backstage with AEW, taking a visit there in Chicago, What's your overall thoughts of the, the AEW product right now? You know, obviously they're in the news a lot right now for some things that are going on, but that aside, what what do you think is uh, how they're doing overall? I don't watch it much. You know, that's kind of funny, but I don't watch wrestling much, man. Cause to me, I'm going to tell you this. I like wrestling, but I don't watch it much now because this is me growing up. When I did watch wrestling, it was like, 
I don't know about your picnics, but I can tell you about my picnic and the black family picnics. You always got two or three uncles at the family get together <laughs> that sit in the corner and talk about everybody. And then when somebody say something back to them, they gonna kick somebody's ass. And you know, it's that uncle always talking about he gonna kick somebody's ass and no, he can't. So here I am watching wrestling and everybody on the wrestling show at that time looked like they could be that uncle who'd always talked about kicking somebody's ass. And now you get to see that uncle in the ring and see what he gonna do. People like Ernie Ladd, you know, and uh, Dusty Rose, you know, it's like, it was entertaining to watch stuff like that, but they were all my uncles who talked so much and now they're in the ring. Now, I guess I see different kind of characters. I see people being something that they're not. I know it's entertainment, but it don't seem like nobody want to carry on the traditional Huck Hogan kind of Harlem Heat, two brothers from the bad street, you know, and they coming out there to fight anybody. Today is just so different, you know, and I guess it's just new time. People like to watch it, but they're doing some incredible stunts and stuff in the ring. You know, I know that. And they look very dangerous, you know, and they get right up from it. So <laughs> I guess it's it's interesting <laughs> about it. Yeah, you know, uh, I always like the people like you that, you know, you, you can see that it's like a part of who you are ramped up to a thousand when you're on the TV and you resonate with that, right? Whereas, like you said, some yeah. of these characters now – it's tougher to get into them just because, you know, they're, they're, you can tell they're playing the character more than themselves, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so funny. You, you said that the crowd now easy, man. I mean, maybe they, back in the day, I was trying to build who I am. I was trying to develop my character. I was trying to get myself out to people. But now people can go and research me, those who don't know me. And those who do know me, they know what to expect. So it's easy to pop a crowd. Like, you know, the, the GCW, I've never been there before. And some of these guys were too young to even see me in WCW. But it's like when I left there, it's like, hey, man, I can create new fans. That's the hard, that's the part right there. That they don't have to be an old fan. They can be new fans. And no, that crowd, man, was really behind some of the stuff I was doing. You know, kicking out, putting my three fingers up. You know, picking on the lady at the front row, throwing kicks at people. You know, it was just entertaining. Yeah, and with the WWE Network now too, you know, people can go back and you know if they watched you in Chicago fight Joey Janela, like, man, I like that guy. Let's go look at more of them, right? The, just oh, the yeah. access that we have as fans now is unbelievable. Man, it's incredible, man. It's like you, it, well, us as entertainers and wrestler, you know, you can also it's good for us too because you can go research us and and watch it. You know, most of the time, a lot of people didn't come to a live wrestling show to me and was never entertaining. You know, I was like, I wonder what these people are doing. They sitting out, they seem so bored. But when you watch it on TV, you can see how it could be entertaining when you add all the the the, the bread around it. You know, the the people, the, the announcers, the referees, you get to see the whole story develop right in front of you. And and now it's on. It's it's good now. You don't have to watch a whole wrestling show. All you gotta do is watch highlights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, 
I kind of want to go back to a little bit more of your career here because you were picking up real steam here. You're cutting these great promos every week. Your spot, it seemed like, was growing on the card a little bit. Was there ever any talk or any pitches to put you in that upper main event picture because you were oh. getting so over as a heel? Oh, yes, man. Um, I was over. I mean, I was over so much that doing the, doing the WCW and the WWF Monday Night War, if something was on TV, I would want, and, and they were trying to spike the audience, they would call me, Cat, go to the ring. Go to the ring. I mean, I could get heat or I could get cheered. You know, it's like we knew. So I was over one time pretty good that Hulk Hogan himself talked to the committee and said, hey, I want to lose the belt to um, Cat. And did I want to chase him to get it back? And that that was his idea. He took to it, but what he what I, from what I've heard, Eric Bischoff did not want me to win it on the Monday night and lose it on the Thursday night. He wanted me to carry the belt for a little while, so they kind of talked about putting it all, and that's when the bottom started to fall out too. Later on, about a couple of months later, you know, a year later, but yeah, they talked about me working with them. And back then, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but a lot of the top talent did not want to work with the younger guys. You know, that's why when Vince Russo came and he made the Young Bloods and yeah. uh, the Million, the Million Dollar Club, that was just, that was just imperative of, of what was going on. You know, you got Lex Luger and. Uh, these big name guys, but they would not work with the young talent for some reason, you know, to help get other people over. They was not doing that. Yeah. So that came across on TV too. You could, you could tell that there was that awkwardness when you were watching it of, of these guys not wanting to, to do business with the younger guys. Oh, understand that. That was one of my most favorite things to get in there and work with the young guys and get them over. And that's so fun. That's why I like some of the young guys now. Who and 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 out there, you know, and uh, like AJ style, man. I used to love to work with those guys, man. I used to tell him, yeah, I worked with him, you know, and I was over. Mm -hmm. I worked with them. We had a good time. That's why when Vince Russo came, I was one of the guys that he continued to push, you know, yeah. because I was willing to work with those guys. What was the biggest differences between working for Vince and working for Bischoff? Bischoff. To me, was more a a a top top tier kind of manager. You can tell he was the boss. Vince Russo was like to me, he was like one of the boys. You know, he was like one of the wrestlers. You know, you hang out with him. He had his friends to do that. And Eric Bischoff used to hang out too, but you knew Eric was the boss. So you know, it was just it it, it was just easier. You know, I didn't have to. I didn't really have to. Um, at, both of them were good to me, but you know, Eric was more the the manager of the the team. You yeah. know, yeah, you know, and you mentioned around this time period that the the bottom started to fall out a little bit. But you were one of the highlights every week on TV. Uh, you know, how did this whole thing with James Brown come to be? Because I thought this was absolutely amazing, and I was shocked that they didn't promote it more. Because James Brown's an icon in, in the world. They was such a, they was such, you know, Vince Russo. It was like Vince Russo, and Vince Russo was doing Vince Russo thing. You know, he was concentrating 
And I think Vince Russo was there. I don't want blaming on him, but whoever was there, they were focused on other things because I got the red shoes just to lead up to this James Brown thing. You know, I saw using the shoes to dance, to kick people, because I saw James Brown in a pair of red shoes. And I remember the red shoe thing started working so much that one one day I'm while I had just finished the ring, had just finished in the ring, and I would go into the locker room and Sting would go into the ring and he had just finished watching me on the monitor. He said, Cat, that's really good, man. I said, What? He said, Oh, red shoes and the dance, that's gonna get over. And if you know Sting, Sting is so nice that it seemed like he's fake. <laughs> but he's not. He's just really that nice. You know, so he recognized it. And, you know, he recognized what was going on, going to get over. But I don't think Vince Russo recognized it. And I keep using the name because I think he was in charge then. But I don't think whoever was in charge recognized that how big this, this could have been. But when, when, when James Brown hit that stage, I don't care. We could have been anywhere. Man, I mean, the crowd went crazy. Yeah. I've never heard a pop like that. When they hit James Brown music, he came out. And you know it was set up just the way, perfectly. You know it was set up in the perfect manner, the way we had the fake Jane Brown to come out. And then uh, I think I worked with uh, who was I working with on that? Oh, the the maestro, something like that. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah, and the maestro pulled the hair piece off the the fake Jane Brown that I had set up, and then Suey did that. The music hit, and Jane Brown came. Man, the crowd went crazy they went crazy then we did our little dance song and we didn't go over anything we didn't practice anything me and jane brown didn't say we're gonna do this do that he man this dude like it's like it was made in heaven like soon as i hit that he hit the ring then the music went out when they shook his hand the crowd was going crazy and i did what i've been doing so many years i said hey hit my music and then Jay Brown turned and got the mic from me. He said, no, hit my music. <laughs> and the music came on. We started dancing back and forth. Jane Brown do his little dance. I do my dance. And he was so smooth with his dance that I was like, man, I see why this guy. You know, when people say someone with charisma, you can tell they have charisma with whatever they do. Jane Brown had that charisma, man. Then I, I didn't tell him about the cake. He just brought the capes, put the capes on my back, and, and walked me out. And, you know, he have never caped. The only two people that James Brown himself has only put the cape on were me and Michael Jackson. He wow. only caped people. And that's in his bio, if you read it. It'll say Ernest Miller. He caped them. But then the good part is this right here. When I got ready to leave, the two capes that he broke, he asked me, did you want a red one or a gold one? And I said, I don't care, just bring one, bring whatever. So he brought two, a gold and a red. So when the show was over, he put the capes down, took them back to the room. He took the cape back down to the room. Funny part is when he took the capes to the room, took the capes to the room, the funny part is right here, I was getting ready to walk out. Can you yeah. yeah. I, was getting, I was getting ready to walk out. I don't know why my wife called it. She know I'm on this. But she, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. So 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. I can hear you perfect. Okay, so when I got ready to leave, I, thank, I said, thank you for coming, man. I love this. It's going to be a great moment with me. And guess what? When I um, got ready to leave, Jane Brown said, hey, Kat, don't forget the old capes over there, man. He said, don't leave those laying around. So I'm like, what is he talking about? So anyway, I told the drip that the guy with me to pick him up, bring him to my dressing room, and I got the capes now. Wow. And five years later, do you know all these capes that Jane Brown had that he had never worn auctioned off for $100,000 a piece? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I still got them. I, that was I still got two of them. They were like, I wouldn't sell these things. Matter of fact, they're getting ready to do a James Brown movie here, and one of the producer contacted me, who know I have the cape, as could they rent the cape to use them in uh, the upcoming James Brown uh, movie that they do here in Atlanta. Wow, that's fantastic. So, Mr. Miller, I could sit here and listen to these stories with you all day, and, and you know, I feel like we just barely scratched the surface. Uh, I'd love to take a take a part two with you down the road and and really get into the the second half of your career here. Uh, before I let you go, because uh, I know you're a busy man, is there anything that you want to plug on social media where the people can see the cat, what they can do? Hey, listen, you can follow me, get some of my uh, merch. You can, you know, just contact me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the uh, social media platform. So as Ernest the Cat Miller. Absolutely. And before I let you go, I, I would kick myself if I didn't ask you one last thing. The best thing that I love about your career, uh, one of the best things was at the very end of WCW. I think it was the highlight with you and the Jun Dragons. Can you just share really quickly how fun it was working with the Young Dragons and those backstage sketches? Because they, they were amazing. Man, listen, that, that, that's going, that should be on part too because there's a whole big story behind that. Just like I was saying, how, how the million-dollar guys didn't want to work with the young guys. And what Vince Russo saw doing, they saw getting rid of some of the young talent because they had nothing for them to do. And it was just so happened these three guys are some of my favorite guys. So I asked Vince Russo if I come up with something for them, can I use them? So you know and I know we used to watch the Pink Panther. So I was like, listen, let's do this. You guys going to be work for me. I was a commissioner. You guys going to keep my karate skills up. up. So every time I hear that music, you guys going to attack me. So it was just beautiful, man. It was just a great, I mean, it was good. I came up with the whole storyline. Well, we'll keep that as the teaser for the part two then. That'll be the first thing we talk about. Mr. Miller, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. This was such a huge honor. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, my man. I'll see you later.